always, 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 when whichever business you're starting, have a separate bank account and a separate credit card. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest is Sharon. She is the founder of the Modern Savvy CPA. She also happens to be my CPA. I've known her for about 10 years. And we're going to be diving into the topic of financial literacy when it comes to both business and personal finance. So Sharon runs a couple courses on her YouTube channel called Smart Money Habits, um, Mind Your Own Business Money. And we're going to talk about what it means to have a money mindset. So let's get started with Sharon. So just a little background, Lisa's right. I have been her CPA probably for about 10 years. And Don, actually, I've been his CPA and his company's CPA for almost two decades. A little background on me is I've been an accountant all my life, um, which all my adult life, which is almost three decades. And I started off doing bookkeeping in small real estate firms and different places in New York where I grew up. And then I was the assistant director for the Westchester County chapter of the Red Cross during 9-11. So that was corporate accounting. And then when I moved to Florida. I started working in public accounting, which is what I do now, mainly focusing in tax, tax planning and business planning. So I've thought about the subject of financial literacy for a very, very long time. And being from an immigrant family, you have a different perspective on the American dream. It's more see the straight path to it because you you come with that vibe on, and that drive from another country. And not that I grew up in another country. I didn't really grow up in another country, but my parents did. And I came with their perspective and their vibe. So I believe in the American dream and I believe that it's 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 something that's attainable. And through financial literacy is the way that not only immigrants who come here can attain this, it can be attained by anyone who has the plan, the drive, the willingness, and educate themselves about the finances. And right. so started the Modern Savvy CPA. I love it. And just a funny story is Sharon and I have been emailing back and forth. She emailed me my taxes to sign. And I just noticed at the bottom of your signature that you had a link tree. I'm like, go Sharon has a link tree. Like, what is this all about? So I clicked on it and saw her Instagram and her YouTube channel and how she's like started all these courses and training to the public on financial literacy and personal finance and business finance. This is such a needed thing for, I mean, I've been searching for some sort of a course for my my kids, young adults in financial literacy from a personal finance standpoint. As a business owner, it's it's a struggle. I didn't go to school for accounting. I started my business in my 20s and I kind of learned as I, the CPAs that I work with, they're not exactly educating me no. as I'm going. We just hand over the stuff to you and we're like, okay, what do we do type of right. thing? And it's it's so helpful that, that you're helping business owners, entrepreneurs and and getting that financial literacy across and the way that I've seen your videos, it's the way that you're explaining it makes so much sense. Right. So with our audience, we have entrepreneurs out there, we have PR and, and marketing professionals, and we also have students or young adults that are just starting out in their profession. So I wanted to talk about some secrets that you can share in, in those different categories. What do 
you're just starting out in a business, what are some of the things that we need to know or we should know if we already are in business you can share? So you've given a lot of little tidbits there to, 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 to touch on, which puts me in my soapbox. And I have the gift of gap, so I can go on and on about different different things. That, you know, my nieces and nephews voted me that the aunt that can talk to anyone in a room from the janitor to the CEO. So which is true, so I won't deny it. But so, you know, so going back to one of the things that you 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 talked about is other CPAs and education. I used to think that other CPAs just didn't want to do it or they didn't have the personality. Well, that's only partially true. The CPAs are getting better personalities these days. And I've been told many times that I don't look or sound like another CPA, a normal CPAs, which is probably true, but we're getting better at it. And number two is our field is so busy prepping tax and, and paying attention to just the prep work. We're not spending enough time teaching our clients and, and, and educating them about what they need to do. And they don't need to go to accounting school or they don't need to, to have a business degree, but they need to understand the overall picture of what's happening, whether it's their business life, their school life. With the, with the loans and, and, and your budget for schooling, your, your regular everyday life. You just need to have the information and the place to go where you can understand what's happening and then you can plan for that. And there are little things along the way, tiny little things that you can do. And if, you know, there are many of my videos touched on little things here and there when it comes to, whether it's it, individuals, where it comes to savings, how do you save? How do you plan on saving, retirement, you know, budgeting, you know, so I have one series that I just, that I have up is called Smart Money Habits. And it actually goes through in about, I don't even know how many videos, maybe about 25 videos, small videos on 10 different smart money habits that you, that I cover from budgeting to debt, housing, everything that covers a personal financial stuff. Then my last series that I'm that I just finished is Mind Your B Money, Your Business's Money, which is for entrepreneurs, and it goes through from beginning to end business plan to to legacy planning on you know your business. And one of the things that I would like to tell it, it's all about your mindset when it comes to all of this. So one of the things that I like I'd like to tell to your listeners that they, they need to think about when they're starting their own business out is think about what it is that you have. Do you have a business or a job? No, because you treat jobs differently from your business. If you are working a job, you're not so invested in it, right? You're investing in getting your paycheck. So correct, Lisa? Correct, yeah. <laughs> correct that on me, right? You're interested in getting your paycheck. When you have a business, there's so many wings to that business. And one of the wings is making your business grow. So you're not just thinking about getting that paycheck alone. You're thinking about the future of your business. Where do you want to go? Because you're going to in initially invest time, money, you know, your networking. You're going to invest a lot of things in your business. What do you want it to be? Do you want it to be a job or do you want it to be a business? So if, if you're, if you're going to be a small business owner, you need to think about your business plan, which is the starting, whether it's what type of entity you're thinking about, what's the right entity for you, 
whether you're starting as an LLC at the beginning or a full-fledged S-Corp at the beginning, those are the things that are going to be involved in your business plan on the finance side. You know, what type of budgeting you're going to be thinking about, what type of software, hiring the right people to help you from the start. That's to, from that part to your legacy plan. You know, I work with, I have a client that's a business broker and she does a lot of, she looks at the finances for businesses that are selling three to five years down the line where they have deducted everything at the kitchen sink on their business. So when they want to sell it and they're saying they're making this much money or their business is this much, they can't show what's happening. So your finances paint a picture of what your business is from year to year and from beginning to end. So you need to be have overall financial literacy on mining your business's money and that, that you need to think about it. So if you're going to be a business owner and you want to be a business owner moving forward, you need to have the mindset as to what it is. If you're going to be a business owner, you have to have the mindset of a business owner. I so, love that. And so what are, what are some actionable tips that you can give to business owners from a, that you share in some of your videos? Like, can you open the hood a little bit? I'll open the hood a little bit, but <laughs> these are small tips and they'd have to go in depth. One is don't look for the five second answer. There is no five second answer for anything, right? So there's a lot of like, now that I'm involved in social media and I know a lot of your audience is in the marketing and PR part of things. And I could learn a lot from them because that is totally my Achilles heel and it actually, I sat at my computer one day when Meta changed their, their way that they, they let you do reels and I couldn't schedule my reel anymore. And I, I was literally in tears. Gonna cry. Yeah. 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 I think everybody so, can feel that pain every once in a while. Meta so, changes stuff all the time. But you guys are up in what they're doing. That's your business. You know, you know, those things. So whereas in my line of things, if you ask me to give you little tips or teach you how to read a financial statement. That's a piece of cake for me, just like it's a piece of cake for you guys to understand the new algorithms in Meta. So, so what I would say is don't look for the three-second answer. Look for the long-term answers because the three-second answers to anything only gives you a part of the story. So it'll tell you you can deduct some, something, but it wouldn't tell you, for example, I wouldn't be able to tell you in a situation where and why you can deduct something. And not every deduction is is the same. So number one is make sure you're picking the right entity. Make sure you know what kind of entity you are do you're picking when you're starting your business and make sure you understand why you're picking that entity. So if you're going to start with an LLC, make sure that you know why you're starting with an LLC and you know if you plan on growing in the future, is that the right entity for you? So that's the first tip I'm going to give you. The second tip, well, the, that's the second tip. The first tip was don't look for the three-second answer. The third tip is always, 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 when whichever business you're starting, have a separate bank account and a separate credit card. When you're, when you're starting your business, make a contribution to your business from your personal or wherever it is that the money's coming. Put it in your business account. And use that for your expenditures, your income, your everything. Because you know what? Be realistic. I would be realistic to say that I'd like for you to use a bookkeeper. I want you to update your accounting all the time. I want to do all these things. But you're busy in your life. 
making your money through your, your passion. So sometimes the, the accounting and, the, and, and, and the, the painting your number picture gets a secondary scene. So if you're spending money on this credit card, that credit card, this bank account, that bank account, you are not going to remember what you did when and how to do it. When the banks and the, the credit card companies has great apps today that you have historical numbers that go back a long way. And you can always look back and see if you're using one bank account or one credit card, you're able to capture your real numbers. You're able to not forget that you paid for a business launch with a credit card and you forgot about it to include it in your businesses. So having one business credit card, one business bank account to start off with, only use that for your business expense. Don't spend, you, you know, if you your business when you're starting at the beginning, sometimes you have to contribute to your business, take the money out of your personal or wherever it's coming from, put it in your business and then spend it from there. So those are three tips. I love that, that tip. Hone down directly on how starting out you should you should uh, and you, you had mentioned work. before we before we started recording just some areas that might be relevant to the PR and marketing business owners or professionals when it comes to accounting and expenses. So since this video is on, I I've been offering this to all the speaking stuff that I've been doing lately. I would if. If whoever is watching and would like more information, they can subscribe to my Modern Savvy CPA, the Modern Savvy CPA YouTube channel. And there is a place on there that you can put in your email, your phone number and your address. And I would be happy to give you guys a little customized cheat sheet for expenses that you can use for a marketing PR specific firm but I'll give you a couple of them right now. But in, that's an option I'm going to give to your listeners. Thank you. Uh, and we'll put, we'll put that in the show notes too. We'll put the link to it directly in the show right. notes. So make it yeah. easy. Thanks, Sharon. If they subscribe, we'll put their, give me their email, their phone number and their name. I will be able to email them directly the little cheat sheet for the expe a little expense cheat sheet so they can have ideas when they're out there. What, what is business and what is not? Because honestly, so just another business tip that's, two small businesses, our personal and business life intertwine a lot, you know, especially with small businesses, you know? So sometimes our mind is not thinking about, is this a business expense or not? So first of all, a business expense needs to be ordinary and necessary to your business. So, and, and that is a change thing these days when it comes to the world of social media. You know, if you, the IRS has not, have an expense column yet. That's social media. But social media, to me, it's not just one expense column. With the Modern Savvy CPA, I had to literally learn all the expense columns on social media, whether social media networking, sponsoring, social media subscriptions, you know, marketing and branding, you know, tools. Are all, yeah. So, so these are all things that when I was doing the books for the Modern Savvy CPA, I'm like, okay, there's nowhere on the IRS or financials, even, you know, accounting world that we have these, these expenses as listed expenses. So these are all new things that, that, that we're, that's, it, that's ordinary and necessary in the marketing PR world, you know, that you're using. Sometimes 
the, the one thing that I, I think that is going to be something that the IRS looks at later on is overseas um, outsourcing that we're using. You know, they don't have any any guidance on that. So when when there's no guidance, you go with your gut and you, it depends on the CPA that you're using. It depends on, you know, the person that's advising you that you're consulting with. So so it's not as simple as saying, is this something that's deductible or not? So that's that's why it's important to hire the right person, you know, because the, what's deductible depends on your business purpose. And that is something that needs to be defined. And that's always something that needs to be defined. So when you ever get audited from the IRS, fortunately, I have not had a lot of clients that have gotten audited. But the first thing that they ask you for is a description of your business purpose. So from then, they'll understand what expenses are ordinary and necessary to your business. So that's why it's important for whoever it is that you're using for them to understand a little bit about your business so they can know what business expense are tailored to you. And when you can fight, you know, you can have that case say, well, this is tailored to me and this is why. And then they'll tell you whether it is or not. You know, for example, I was at a real estate company this morning and we were discussing clothing. And the owner of the real estate company was trying to tell me that, well, if they have to buy new clothing, for they're all small businesses here and they have to buy clothing for for to go out with clients and whatever. So the rule is so ancient when it comes to closing with clothing with the IRS is if if the clothing has the branding of your company on it, that is the only way you can deduct it. Oh wow. I That's the that. rule. <laughs> That's the rule. So you 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 shouldn't be able to you're not able right now to say that clothing is an expense because because what well the real estate people even though they're their own PAs or their own LLCs if you go and work for Merrill Lynch or your advisor for uh, Goldman Sachs or something like that they require a certain dress code but they're not able to deduct their clothing so that's the the, the argument the IRS is going to come back and say they're not able to deduct their clothing why should you be able to deduct their clothing but in the world of entertaining, social media, branding, all the things that we're doing now, you know, getting our makeup and hair done for our photo shoot. And everyone needs to have a photo shoot. You know, I hadn't had a headshot done in so many years before this, this year. And now I've had so many photos done. It's amazing. But I have to get my hair done, my makeup done, you know, all the different things that's specific to that photo shoot. Those things are, are ordinary and necessary to my business. So they're deductible. So, you know, you have to kind of, it's, it's customized to what the business is. And there are so many things that intertwine. You, a lot of us have friends that are our business associate. So we go out to, to dinner or to lunch or something like that. And maybe we'd start off not being a business thing, but we start talking about our business. We start talking about our social media. We start talking about a client. We start it becomes a business lunch. So you have to have that financial literacy brain to always be thinking along your business lines. So you know you're smart about what you're able to, to, to have as a business expense or not. So, so I would say there is a whole list, like I said, branding, photography, the outsourcing, those are all things with the social media and branding and, and marketing 
that you would be using. The other thing I want to tell your your world, the, the marketing world, is marketing is a very subjective thing. Entertainment is not deductible. After when President Donald Trump enacted the, the tax act, then entertainment became zero deductible. So you cannot take your client out to a concert and deduct that because you're entertaining him. But if you bought a sponsorship at Live Nation and you have your banner there or they're advertising in their book or, you know, whatever it is that that's called advertising and promotion. The box is just a different thing. You might use it, you might not, right? But the whole thing is advertising and promotion because you're advertising and promoting. Does that make any sense, Lisa? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I have a question that I've seen this on social media when it comes to, this is kind of a transition into personal finance, but it's staying within the business. So this is more for entrepreneurs now that, you know, they have kids and they can, this is what I've, what I've seen in multiple places that they can, you're allowed to pay your kids, let's say a hundred dollars a week to, I don't, I can't remember, maybe something like take pictures for you or something like that. Right. Or and as long as it's like under social media for you, cause they're better at it or something like you're allowed to pay your kids under a certain amount that, you know, that it's not considered like you're paying them. It's not taxable. And is that true? you're an entrepreneur or so, a business that you're allowed to pay your kids X amount. So I got asked this question this morning and I got asked this question at the last talk I did. It I'm going to start screenshotting and sending them to you when I see them so that you yes. can have a, you can fucking have them. you on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I got asked this question this morning and then my answer would be, it depends, right? What reason would you want to pay your kids? Is it because you want to deduct 10,000? Let's say it's 10,000. I'm making that number up. It's close to that, but let's just say round number is 10,000. If you pay your kid $10,000 on wages, right? Um, what reason? One reason that I've only seen that, that I would want to pay my kid out of my business is because I want to open a Roth for that child and I want to start saving in a Roth IRA. So that's the reason that I would pay him. So you would have to have money to give to the kid for that amount. And then you would have to have the money to open the Roth for him because there is no, there is, there isn't at that stage up to $10,000, he can file his own return. You can still claim him as a dependent, but your business is going to pay 15.2% of self-employment tax for him. You're going to have to pay social security and Medicare, his portion and your portion. So are you going to save? more than 15.3% tax plus, you're going to have to put him on unemployment. You're going to have to put him on the state of Florida, which depending on um, what it is, it can be up to $200 a year. So the, that $200 plus 15.2% of the $10,000, are you going to save that much on taxes? Um, so if you're doing it purely to save on taxes, you got to think about it. What bracket are you in that are you going to save this much on, right? And if you're doing it to have them do the Roth, it, ideally, yes, it would make sense to, to do that. But you also have to have the money to maximize on the Roth for them. So it, it's kind of, those are the two reasons why you should do it. Got it. So, Got it. so for me, a, a, an employer that, you know, a business person 
does have lots and lots of money that that they're with, they're able to do that put the money away for Roth and is putting it away for the kids and trust me I think a Roth IRA should start as early as possible in someone's life but if my business if I'm not maximizing my retirement account how am I going to work it through my kids so what I would do with that ten thousand dollars is I would put that away in a SEP IRA for me and it's deductible on the company and I don't have to pay any self-employment tax. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's transition to personal finance because I think that's also, you know, when it, it's the technology and innovation over the past 10 years has given us so many things to make our lives easier, like Cash App and Zelle and um, Venmo and um, Apple Pay. And then there's, you know, the traditional bank accounts and, you know, I'm just watching my kids and even myself managing all of these sources of payments and then tracking them on a budget. Like, where do you even start today with, with educating young adults on how to manage their finances with all that going on? So I think that young adults and even us as adults have no excuse anymore. It's not going to take us as much time anymore to, to, to be financial literate. And it's not going to take us as much time anymore to understand what we're doing with our money because you can easily have historical information with cash out, with your banking apps. You know, what I've noticed that a lot of banks are doing is they they have their own managing money education on their sites. So, you know, and I do think that businesses need to, to be Financial institutions in general need to be investing a little bit more in educating their consumer on financial literacy because it's going to benefit the consumer, whether it's a 14-year-old or a, you know, a 90-year-old. It's going to benefit the consumer. And when you have a smart consumer, then your, your risk assessment is going to be a lot less because the likelihood is that person is not going to default on their credit card because they know how it's important credit is. They're not going to default on their mortgage because they, they've been planning and they understand, you know, once you are planning for something, then, you know, you're able to, uh, to, to work that into your budget, work that into your system, talk to the person. And rarely do you have any type of irresponsible behavior when you're financially literate. So, so I think for young people, I would say to them, you know, I start off, I, Think that the kids should start budgeting. So I tell the kids, like I tell my children, the one thing I, my first, my son, when he got his first credit card that wasn't on my credit card bill, he comes to me and he's like, mom, when should I pay my credit card bill? So he had a little job at that time. He was in, at the end of high school and he had a little job. I said, you pay your credit card bill when you get paid. So Lisa, be, you know, be honest, we're, we're probably around the same age. We're when we first started out, we waited for the credit card bill to come in the mail. And then we looked at what it was and then we paid it then. And we barely put anything on our credit card because we were using cash most of the time. But today, you know, your, your personality is a, is a lot like mine where you're barely using cash and you probably have to borrow from your husband when you need $5. Yeah, definitely. Because that's me. I'm, I'm looking at it as well. And I don't have any cash. Can you give me five bucks? You know? So most of the time I'm using my credit cards and now I embrace it, you know, because it helps me to budget better because I can look back and see what I'm spending. I open my credit card. 
account every day to see what, what it is. I have my budget in mind to see what it is that I spent. My husband has his, I have mine. I have a budget for the kids. So I open it every day. I pay my credit card bill every week. And so I would tell the kids, do not get wrapped up in debt. And one way to do that is your credit card is not an extension of your income. It's just a, a, a avenue of how you pay your bills. So when you get paid, Can you say that again? Your credit card is not an extension of your income. It is just an avenue on how to pay for things. Right. So it's part of our cashless society and credit cards can be if used properly. I mean, I've been seeing on my points. I've been to, to, to Europe on my points because I'm a person when it comes to paying my credit cards. I don't believe in paying interest on my credit cards, you know, so interest when you don't use your credit card properly. And this is one of the things that the kids, you know, Lisa, I don't know when you were in college. The, but the credit card companies used to be in front of the school yeah. giving away free T-shirts to us when we open an account. And God only knows what we knew about a credit card then. What yeah, did we or, or they even gave away $100 free, you know, $100 credit, you know, if you open yeah. the account today or something like that. It was such, such marketing. I'm not going to use the words I want to use about the marketing. But, but we didn't know what we were doing. Like, you know, our parents didn't teach us okay, if you take this credit card, if you do this, you do that, whatever. But today, imagine that deceptive marketing when we were younger. Now, I believe that there's more deceptive marketing with the yeah. kids. And so, so we have to make sure that their literacy is there. And so one of the things that I see is not only with the credit card, with the student loans. And I can get on my soapbox with the student loans. But, you know, that might be another, another, another video, another talk, but definitely the credit card is where they have control over now. And you don't, you, it's not, it's not an extension. It's just a replacement for how you pay for things. So you pay your credit card bill when you get paid. When you're starting out, if you're disciplined like that, and you have to remember that if you have to pay interest on that amount that you have in your credit card, that's the cost of debt. So you will need to budget the cost of debt into your budget if you're going to be paying interest. So that. if you bought dinner with your friends for 50 bucks and you can't pay that dinner off when you get paid and you're going to be paying interest on that, depending on how long you take, because the credit card rates are usually like 25%, 29%. I've seen, I mean, they say the average is 16%. I don't believe that, but you're going to pay 25% interest on a $50 dinner is it worth it? I mean, if you waited to have that dinner, you know, then you would be, you know, you would be able to have, maybe you would have gone to the breakers down here for dinner instead of, instead of Applebee's or whatever it is. So, so my, one of my motto is, and I'm full of them is I don't believe in, in my culture, we do have wealthy people. So I, that de I define when it comes to personal finance, there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy, you know, being rich. Do you think you can answer that question, Lisa, or you don't want me to answer it for you? You can answer it for me. Okay. So a rich person is a person who makes a lot of money. A wealthy person is a person that keeps a lot of money, keep their money. You can be wealthy without being rich because I do tax returns for a living. and I've been dealing with people's finance for three decades. I've seen it. So I know this for a fact. 
So I see what people make and I see what they keep. And I, I, there is no correlation to, to the way that someone lives and how their outside look to what they have in their pots. So the way that society wants us to believe is that that rich person is wealthy, but it, it is far from the truth. That rich person. I'm going to say not to it, have it's to all about keeping Florida. up with the Joneses. Yeah, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses, right? <laughs> so the Joneses are lying. It's only on the outside that they're rich. But what do you want to be? Do you want to be rich on the outside for the instant gratification, or do you want to be wealthy? So my idea for that is, is I'm not a normal financial guru. So you know we have all the financial gurus out there that preaches about deprivation when it comes to finance. I don't believe in deprivation when it comes to finance. I do not believe you should deprive yourself because what do we do all of this for? We do all of this because we want to have an enjoyable life. So if you're going to be depriving yourself, it's like a deprivation diet. When you deprive yourself on a diet and you lose 20 pounds, when you go off that diet, what happens? You gain 50 pounds. So it's the same with finances. If you're going to deprive yourself for a while, it's not sustainable. So I don't want to teach you how to deprive yourself because I want you to sustain a financial well life. You know, so it, and it's possible to sustain a financial well life. So, because I know deprivation is not going to work, especially with our children's generation. These kids are not about deprivation. They're too much about instant gratification. So I'm not an instant gratification person either. So I want my kids and your kids and all the kids out there to get away from the instant gratification. That's not sustainable either. Deprivation is not sustainable and instant gratification is not. You have to find that line where moderation is the key. The word so, that I use with my daughter and my kids and, you know, sometimes, you know, us is just impulsive. Like instead of instant yes. gratification, everything is on impulse. It's like, yes, you're out. It's like, you know, whatever you're going to spend, you're going to spend. And then the next day you're like, what? I spent everything that's supposed to last me until next week. And I think that it's just like everything is like in today's society. So I want to, I do have that as a downfall to us is you went never impulse buy. For me and you too, you know, I have a problem with retail therapy. I, I use it a lot. That's my problem. So now, especially with post-COVID, with everything online, I mean, I barely go to the stores now. But if I see something I like, I put it in my cart and think about it for 24 hours. So Smart. I want them to do that too. I want the kids to not impulse buy because that's probably number one and number two on not getting a handle on your finances. So, so for adults and kids alike, think about your, your decision because when you are comfortable with your money and when you're in control of your money is when you don't regret what you do later. So if you're delaying your purchases and not impulse buying and thinking about what you're doing, then you, 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 and when you do buy something, it's a comfort. If you're going to regret it later, then it's not a company. You don't have control of your money. You know, your money's controlling you, you know, because now you have to think about you regret buying it. You're not probably even going to use it. That The other thing is going to be that if you're going to suffer somewhere else because that money that you spend on that impulse buy might be going to your vacation fund. You know, you're going to delay your vacation for however much time. So it's not about you know, let me enjoy life now. You're giving up something for something else. 
So do you want that one thing now or are you focused on something else that you want? Because you, with the impulse buying, most of the time, it's not truly something we really want. We regret it almost all the time. So why spend money on something you're not going to enjoy? It's not truly what you want. It's just something that you, your mindset is on. You got to break yourself away from that mindset. So that's the other thing. Adults and kids alike, we have that. So money mindset is really also one of the things that I teach and I preach about. My sons say I preach. Yeah. So what I preach about is you have to have the mind, mind mindset. You have to be comfortable with what your habits are. And you have to understand what your Achilles heels are in your habits are. I know that I'm an impulse buyer. So that's why I will say, okay, I would like this really ne nice necklace. I, it's, it's on sale, but I put it in my car and I'm like, okay, let me think about it. And then tomorrow when I go back in, I'm like, I don't really need this right now. I'd rather go, I'd rather put this money towards my grease trip next year. And you can, you do that when you're thinking, think about what other use you can use for that money. That's going to be a better enjoyment for you for something, you know? So I think a lot of it has to do with, and Don and I talk about this all the time, like your relationship with money is has so much to do with how you were brought up your belief system in it and so it's just funny watching our kids you know one of our kids is her relationship with money is so attached that she's afraid to spend like she saves everything and like agonizes over any type of purchase that you know and it's too you know too extreme and then another is like always has X amount of debt on the credit card. Like no matter how much is coming in, that amount is always the, the debt amount for whatever reason. And then another, it's just like, you know, there's no correlation between what is going in and what is going out. And it's just, you know, you think about like how, you know, just how you were brought up really has a lot to do with that. And, you know, just kind of detaching from that, I think is part of the challenge because you have to be your own parent when it comes to your relationship with money and reteach yourself an objective way to look at money versus maybe take the good, but also acquire your own, your own, you know, habits, good habits. Yeah. So smart money habits is the series that I, that I did on financial uh, literacy for individuals. And when you talk about the kids, I always talk about my siblings and I, you eat our kids, not so with just money. They're either exactly like us or nothing like us. So, and that habit may change. They might be exactly like us when it comes to our, their time management, but nothing like us when it comes to their money management. So it's funny what they might take of their dad or what they take of their mom. And, but I'm going to disagree with you on one part of that. I, I, I think nature has a part of it too. It's not just the nurturing. You know, so yes, how you were brought up is important to, to understand money, but your nature also plays into it. So your intuition, you, you, you know, yeah, how your, your mindset, your, mm -hmm. you know, I have one son that's super arrogant, you know, he's super smart, so he can be arrogant, but that doesn't mean that that's going to get him anywhere. I, my other son had to learn early that you have to work for things. You know, I've told my older son. You have to, you have to, you have to work for things, but he doesn't understand that because it always came easy to him. So how do I nurture that part of the nature out of him? You know, so with my younger son, he's learning early that, you know, he needs to work for things. And 
to me, the more successful of my children, the jury is still out on that, is going to be my younger son because the harder worker is going to end up doing better in life. They are going to have to drive the motivation, the will to do things. So, you know, the nurture and the nature, it's a combo of it. But with the kids today, I also think that the media and the noise out there has a lot. That's the third aspect of our financial work is there's so much noise out there. It even confuses us as parents. So I can't imagine if they don't have a good, a good, you know, fallback or somewhere where the, where to go, where they can ask their parents certain things. And if their parents don't know, they can, you know, they're able to find the answers for them. So I think it's important that, so I can't imagine what it's like because it's so noisy out there, especially, I mean, in the world of finance, I see so many little tidbits that people are giving. I'm like, where, where did they get that from? Or that's not true. You know, and clients send me things all the time. I heard I can do this or I've heard I can do that. And the answer is always, it depends. You know, yes, it's true. You're, they're going to give you one tenth of what you can do. That's going to gear towards what it is they're trying to sell you. Right. But they're not telling you the whole story because it's usually someone that's trying to sell you something. They're trying to sell you a course. They're trying to sell you your mutual funds. I don't know, whatever they're trying it's to true, sell It's true. Yeah. There's uh, always some, you know, hidden motive behind hidden all the motive, messages yeah. that you're seeing. And so it seems whether it comes to, whether we're talking about money, finance, or even just mental health, and you might get something that validates how you feel by somebody that, you know, you, you feel like is, you know, an expert on Instagram about that. And that validated you. And you're like, oh, well, I'm right. And I'll send this to this person. Same thing with money and finance. Like, you know, yeah. all these things, tidbits come out. You have to really do your own research. So what I would tell the marketing world and, and, and the PR world out there and every other entrepreneur and individuals, vet your sources. Make sure that the information that they're giving you, they are qualified to give it to you. You know, they're not just some person who did something really good on social media and it blew up. And now everybody takes the words that they give you as God spoken. Yeah. So don't that's go by the, the number person. of followers they have as, yeah. the, as the validation. That's not, yeah. When it comes to the world of finance, you know, I, I think in everything else, bet the person that you're, you're getting your information from, you know, make sure that they're qualified to give you that information. And know if you're getting it in a couple of seconds, it's not the whole story. It might be 5% true. Okay. Sharon, thank you so much. We're going to wrap it up here. Are there any other last words of wisdom secrets that you want to share? We're going to definitely share the link in the show notes to let people download your cheat sheet for business owners and the PR and marketing and social media world. What, anything else you want to add that we didn't touch on? No, I would just, I would just like to say that my passion is really financial literacy and I hope to be able to be out there. And I would like for your audience who are listening and find information valuable to, you know, go on my social media, watch my videos, help me. They're in the marketing world, so they know better than I do how to help me get out there and get all those followers because I, they can vet me. I have no problem with them vetting me and knowing how qualified I am to give this information. Yeah. And I want to just say congratulations because, you know, you just started this new venture, this new direction, just the beginning of 2023. And it's, it's not easy to transition from just being in, you know, being in like a corporate finance setting to going out there and starting these social media channels and 
you know, it's, it can be it's a whole intimidating. New world. It's a whole new world, but you're doing great and proud of you and keep going. We need more people like you. Awesome. No worries. And my social media, I'd like for my YouTube channel to continue to be free. And I don't want to charge membership or I want it to be something that everyone can access. So by growing it and, and getting sponsors for it is the way that I'm going to be able to give it to everyone. Awesome. Well, if you're looking for Sharon to be a guest on your podcast or teach a workshop, all of our information will be in the show notes. So thank you so much, Sharon, and namaste, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.